If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it looks like YouTube and Twitch are just connecting. Hey, what's up, everybody? This episode of Cyberpunk Uncensored is all about my buddy Simon, also known as probably how you know him, the Wandering DM. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. You know, I've been watching your streams and stuff and then, um, I was excited, you know, how quickly you got back to me and we're down to, you know, kind of come on and stuff. I really appreciate that. And then obviously being able to make it happen is another thing. Cause I know like you stream games like every two hours or some shit. So it's like hard to get <laughs> you when you're free, you know? Um, so that's really cool. I really appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. So anybody watching, uh, here, I'm going to open up the chat here. Uh, we are live, so anybody tuning in, I can see there's a couple people. You, can tr you know, if you have any questions uh, for the Wandering DM, uh, or you know, for me or in general about role playing that you you wanted us to cover, um, just send that to the chat, and and I'll check that out. And if nothing else, um, we should get some uh, I don't know funny banter and stuff from our group. We always get some some good commentary with with these guys. I love it, <laughs> but um. But yeah, let's get into it. Uh, before we start talking about, um, you know, there's there's certain things I want to get into, like, you know, the the games that you're creating and the modules and such and, you know, where you are with Cyberpunk Red. But there's a lot more to you than just Cyberpunk Red in this game. And I mean, like I said, before we get into that, let's take it back a bit. If you could, um, you know, kind of give me a crash course in everything Simon and then going into Wandering DM, you know, like back when maybe you Ooh. were a kid or whenever you started getting into role-playing games and your history of it and, you know, just take your time, but just, you know, give me the crash course, everything about you and role-playing. All right. I, um, oh boy. Okay. So I got into role-playing, um, I was, I want to say maybe nine at the time, but I wasn't allowed to play, uh, the older brother of my best friend was uh played D&D and uh of course it was during this whole you know kind of the tail end of the satanic panic um, <laughs> and so uh D&D was not a game that was approved by uh uh by my parents I was uh not uh not old enough to play uh, I think was the uh the the excuse back then so i had to wait until i got into uh seventh grade where i ended up joining um a role-playing game club and i started playing D D with second edition back then um 
It was a mess of a campaign, uh, but it was very fun. And of course, right after school, we would want to keep playing, uh, but nobody wanted to DM. So I ended <laughs> up DMing. And so I've been a DM since I've been uh, 12. Isn't that, isn't that always how it starts? It seems like every, almost every DM or GM I talk to always starts with, yeah, nobody wanted to do it in our click of friends, so I ended up doing it. Now I love it. <laughs> you know, like, yep. It so was, uh, I, wish, I wish I'd played a bit more, but honestly, I love GMing games now. And it's, uh, I'll often just look at a game before purchasing it and just wondering, not like, oh, what, the type of char- what is the type of character I can play in this game? It's more like, what are the types of stories I can tell? What are the type of adventures that I can run my friends through? Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that. And then uh, in a little bit after I graduated high school, uh, high school, I started a, um, uh, it's a nonprofit. Uh, I didn't start the nonprofit itself, but I started a division of it. Um, which aimed at uh, helping uh, school, uh, high school children uh, and uh, combating dropouts. So dropping out. So trying to uh, take like at-risk kids uh, and keep them interested in school and do better and all that. And it was made through LARPing. Oh, wow. um, so I introduced yeah, a bunch of kids to, uh, to LARPing, to uh, RPGs. One of them... Uh, is now a, a friend of ours. This is my home group. That's um, awesome. And uh, yeah, so we that was that was fun. We did, I did that for a couple of years, and then um, and you did that. You said after you graduated, so a, after you yep. were out of high school, you kind of helped uh, get that nonprofit started, or at least the idea, yep. you know, to launch it, and then kind of took it back to high school to be able to help the kids and stuff. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yep. that's really cool. That's awesome. It's a uh, yeah, it. Uh, I think in the American system, it's not exactly high school. It's kids from eleven to seventeen years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, that's a little different because us we have like middle school. Yeah, and then it goes to high school, which kind of falls in between that, you know, mm-hmm. age that you're mentioning. You know, so it's kind of. Yeah, so it would be like middle to like beginning of high school, basically. Yeah. Um, and then once they hit seventeen, if they wanted to stay, they they would become like animators and help other kids and all that. So that was a great thing to do. Uh, met a lot of people, had a lot of fun. And then um, there was a gap of, I want to say, almost 10 years where it was just, you know, playing with the home group and everything and going to LARPs and doing all this stuff, discovering other games. Uh, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into streaming at first, uh, partially because, as you might notice, uh, English is not my first language, so that's a um, that was a barrier that I had basically almost imposed on myself. Um, and in 2017, I met with a few friends at Gen Con, people I had met online, and they gave me the final push, and I decided to start streaming, and I have not looked back since. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, I can tell that you know English isn't your first language just by accent, you know. Yeah, um, and because I, you know, I've I've seen your videos, I followed kind of what you do now, and I've I've given myself the crash crash course in the past year, um, and I'll get into that in a minute because your cyberpunk stuff, which got me into you, which was really cool, but uh, but I gotta say you're uh, you're very articulate, your grammar is perfect, um, maybe it's not your first language, but man, you do a great job, very cool. 
I tend to speak more English than French now, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but that's about it, you know, so. (laughs) I took Spanish for a year in high school. I remember mm, like maybe a sentence. Yeah, I took Spanish in school. Didn't didn't learn too much. But when I was a kid uh, for like two and a half years, I lived in Chihuahua, Mexico because of my dad's job. Um, So that's where I really learned a lot. But I was young, like 12, 13. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, I don't want to date myself too yeah, much, but if you, oh, you forget it if you don't use it so much, you know? Yeah. So I know the basics, that's about it. But yeah, you do an excellent job. Uh, you know, I I follow your uh, your streams and all that, and uh, you're on it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so what? So after that, after, uh, you know, so you started with sec, uh, second edition D&D. Mm-hmm. Did you end up, and then, you know, you did the LARP thing for the school, which that's awesome. That's honorable. That's a really, you know, good, uh, good karma thing too, you know? That's really, really cool that you did that. But um. But after that, did you, you know, continue playing second edition, you know, AD and D, or did you oh, kind of follow uh, the versions or get off of that and onto other things? Because I see I've you play like a hundred different games. You, you you do a lot of them. Yeah, uh, I did a quick tally the other day, and uh, I have played so far over eighty different games. <laughs> um, and uh, and I have others like I have a bunch of games still on my like to playlist. Um, how do you keep? How do I've you? Fun- how do you keep track of all the rule sets going? You know, because I have a hard time just bouncing from like D and D to cyberpunk. Sometimes, like I'll have to remind myself how saving throws work in D and D and things like that because they don't. You know, it's so different from cyberpunk. And then even when I was going from like uh, twenty twenty up to actual red, because I've got the core rules and stuff. You know, and I'm I'm streaming mm-hmm. that, like yourself. Um, man, sometimes I'll I'll get you know I have to like juggle the rules in my head and figure it out how do you do it? You know, playing eighty different systems and do, and then you stream you know, multiple times a week, sometimes different systems. How do you keep track of all those rules and stuff? Is it just all you got an iron safe in here or do you keep notes and stuff? How do you do it? I don't know. Um, well, so then, it's, it's well, when you're a genius I'll at mess, that. <laughs> I'll mess up a lot. Uh, if you follow on the cyberpunk, especially with cyberpunk and Witcher, uh, I tend to mess up a lot of the terminology for skills and all that. Um, and then uh, there's a, a at some point all the systems sort of blend together, and you kind of get an idea of okay, well this systems works this way, so I figure I can do X Y Z with it. And if it's not exactly as written, it's at least you know close to, and then you can like readjust afterwards. But often what I'll do is before before starting a campaign or before starting a show. I'll sit down, I'll just do a quick read-through of the rules for that system, uh, decide which ones I keep, which ones I don't use, uh, especially for streams, because sometimes some of them can make the game you know, heavier or slower. And oh, yeah. When you're streaming, you want things to be uh, sort of fluid. Um, but yeah, so I'll just I'll sit down, I'll give a read-through of the book, uh, and um, then that's it. I'll, I'll probably note down a few things, uh, like one of the things that really I have a hard time with is following all the changes between editions of Call of Cthulhu. Uh, they're at like their seventh edition now. Oh. And um, yeah, I started playing that. They were in fourth edition. So there's a lot of like small changes, but just enough to say that if you mess up, you realize that you can't, you can't continue playing because something, something just went wrong. Oh. And then you have to... <laughs> Pause the game, open the book, check how things work. Okay, that's that's how insanity works now. All right, so let's just 
redo this part of the game, start over. Um, but yeah, I, I mess up, but I have an affinity for for rules. I don't know why. I just, I read them, I learn them, and then they, like you said, like an iron safe, like they stay there. Yeah, that's great. But now, so back to the, the you know, second edition in AD&D, did you yeah. end up following the different editions as they went up through fifth edition now, or did you kind of stick with that and then get into other gaming systems or, you know, walk me through from then till now? Um, so I started with second, uh, the thing you have to know is, uh, I'm a bit behind on, well, I was a bit behind on editions because we had to wait back then for the French version of the book to come out. Oh, so yeah, I didn't even I think had, of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's basically like a few months to a year after. So when third edition came out, we were still playing second edition because we had no clue the third edition to come out. The internet was fairly young back then. And, um, we didn't really know, plus the fact that, you know, we already have campaigns going and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, when third came, uh, was released, we switched over to third, played for a bit. Then uh, the group of friends that I had, we decided to get into a different type of game. So we tried uh, a game known as Vampire. Ah. Um, so I, I, we left D&D, played Vamp for a bit. And then from there, uh, we played. That's when I discovered Call of Cthulhu. Um, then there was like the whole D20 system boom during third edition. So it got me introduced to Star Wars, uh, got me introduced to um, other, uh, which ones were they? Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, trying to remember like in order, but I, I can't. Anyway, I got a few from that. And then that gave me enough um, enough of a, a desire to explore other, which I thought were lesser known RPGs, because you know my FLGS had a big section of D and D, and then like this one shelf of yeah. other games. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I looked them up. I remember reading through Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I never got to to run. Um, and then, of course, Rift, that led to GURPS, that led to other, like, rules-heavy games, um, and then eventually led to uh, Shadowrun. Oh, okay. Which I thought was amazing. Um, believe it or not, Cyberpunk had been out for a while, and I had never heard of it. Yeah. Um, had I heard, learned of it, honestly, all the things that kind of bothered me with Shadowrun... Uh, that I would try to rule out all the time was basically transforming my Shadowrun games into cyberpunk. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I never liked the magic aspect and all that. And then all of a sudden, when I discovered uh, cyberpunk, I was like, hey, this is this is exactly what I want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the sort of and, uh, and that's funny. You meant, that yeah. And you mentioned how like you didn't you didn't even know about cyberpunk when it came out back then. But like you said about the Internet back then, too, let's remind everybody, you know, back then when you were a kid, it was like the Internet wasn't so oversaturated with information. You weren't getting hit with hundreds of ads all the time. There weren't all these social networking sites where it's just ads and posts and ads and posts. You know, you would have to like search for websites and like find, you know what I mean? So it just mm -hmm. it wasn't so um everything shoved down your you know into your eyes all the time or whatever so like back then yeah you might not hear about games or things unless you know you heard it from friends at an actual shop or your school friends you know like uh, a lot of people were introduced to games just by friends like oh have you seen this let's play this you know 
So, um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and very similar too with, with shadow run. Like I was, I, I played very little and, but then I wasn't a fan cause I, I liked D and D. And then when I got, uh, you know, cyberpunk, I was like, man, I love my magic and fantasy over here and my cyberpunk here. And to me, shadow mm-hmm. run was a little too, too mixed. It was, you know, and, and that's not to say it's not cool. Some people dig that, but I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I kind of liked it, you know, separate those separate things. But, um, yeah. but, but that's great. So when, what around, when was that, that you got into cyberpunk? Was that 2020 that you got into at the time or what was it? Um, 13 or that would have been 2020. Uh, so the reason I got into cyberpunk or finally found cyberpunk is, um, I became a huge Witcher fan after I was introduced to the Witcher years ago. Uh, and, So I I kind of followed CDPR and what they did and everything. And then one day they said, uh, you know, they would be they were working on this uh, game. Um, It's called Cyberpunk. It's based on a TTRPG. I was like, oh, let me check out that TTRPG. And then I saw Cyberpunk 2020. But at the time, Talsorian hadn't really come back with anything. So Cyberpunk was old, was um, left sort of to the side uh they i think the last that was years after firestorm came out um but then i got a few of the books read it read them liked what they had but didn't know like i i basically put it on my like two playlist like it was there it was somewhere on the list i'm gonna get to it at some point but it's not it wasn't my top priority um and then I discovered uh, I rediscovered Talsorian when they released The Witcher. And that's when I got into it. And that's when I said, okay, well, you know what? I want to play now that I see like, oh, Witcher is exactly like Cyberpunk. Or I called it at the time Cyberpunk Light. Um, so I was like, I'm comfortable with one system. I can run another. Uh, and then they came out with a jumpstart kit and everything. And then that's when everything snowballed from there. Nice. So I'm I'm relatively new to the cyberpunk world. Yeah, yeah. How did you end up, you know, getting that relationship with our Talsorian to get the advanced red and start doing that? Because I, I see you're on, uh, you know, like chapter three of your red games, right? Isn't that what you're mm-hmm. on now? And um, yeah. yeah, I kind of caught on. Like, I, I think I caught on around chapter two and then backtracked and now see that you're yeah. up to three. But um, but yeah, how did that, you know, how did that relationship kind of come together with our Talsorian? Um, it started again, it started with the Witcher. Um, once I got my hands on the Witcher book, I think the month after it came out, I had a stream going. Nice. And, um, Jay from Talsorian ended up, you know, watching the stream because I, I would broadcast on, on Twitter, Twitter, like, Hey, we're playing the Witcher, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, we started talking at that point, uh, about, uh what was it i think the first thing uh that we talked about was um you know oh can uh can talsorian uh give us a shout out or something about like the, the, not nothing nothing sponsoring no sponsors no partnership no nothing just the hey by the way we're doing this uh, i saw that you liked the tweet and everything would you like to you know shout us out when uh when we go live and they were like sure and then we started talking. Uh, sometimes Jay would be in chat and would uh, help me with the rules. He started becoming oh, awesome. sort of a fan. And um, 
and then we got to talking a bit more and things progressed from there like naturally uh, then I started running uh, games for them at cons. Uh, there was well, the charity games. I think the charity games helped a lot uh, cement my sort of my uh, my relationship with Talsorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then I don't know. It's I never actually sat down to think about how thing like what did I do exactly the step by step. I was just a fan of the game, and ah yes, uh, Castle Falkenstein. I forgot Castle Falkenstein was also a big part oh. uh, of it. Another Talsorian game uh, that we played on my channel. Um, so it's just we fell into a Talsorian hole and just oh. went through all their <laughs> games, uh, and um, and that was great. Honestly, they make they make awesome games. So the only one I haven't tried yet is Mechton. Oh. So at some point, I'll stream a giant robot game. Nice. That's awesome. So what, as far as all of them, what, you know, what has been, I don't know, your favorite within them. I, I imagine cyberpunk is one of your favorites. Cause I see you're, you're sticking with it. Uh, you know, and you're doing the multiple chapters of red. Um, and you know, when I watch the game, I see you guys having a lot of fun with it. So it definitely seems like that's one of your favorites, but what's yep. what, you know, current favorite, uh, other than cyberpunk, what is it? And then also in the past, what was, you know, cause you, you've gone through so many, you have to at least have kind of, I don't know, your, your old school favorite, your new school favorite. I have a few. Um, excluding Cyberpunk Red, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite modern sci-fi um, game. Uh, D&D 5th Edition is, uh, is one of my favorites. Not because it's the latest, but because it merges a few of the things of previous editions that I enjoyed. Put them all together. Um, but it's super easy to say D&D because it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I am a big fan of the uh, Green Ronin version of uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Oh, okay, cool. They had released it, I think, the second edition. I own almost all of the books, and I still play. I know Warhammer evolved their other editions now of the, the roleplay series, um, but I second is my favorite, and I keep coming back to it. Uh, I'd say maybe every two years I get a game together. Oh. We play for a few months, and uh, then, you know, I, I'm satisfied, and then we move on to, to something yeah. else. <laughs> uh, and then otherwise, uh, Vampire Masquerade is uh, also one of my... Actually, ah. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to say Vampire Masquerade, but the World of Darkness in general. Okay. Like, not necessarily just this one IP, but the whole brand of World of Darkness. Okay, cool. And now, you know, back to Cyberpunk, since you, you know, you have the advanced red, but you also, you know, got into 2020 prior. Within that, and, you know, like like, like we said, that's, I see you doing the, the different chapters. It's got to be a, a good favorite of yours. You must obviously enjoy it. Um, what are your favorite sort of, I don't know, evolutions of rules or things from 2020 to red? Like, what do you like new about red that wasn't really in 2020 or that they made changes and, and knowing, I know we can't go into exact specifics of mechanics or reading from the book, but just generally speaking, how they handle humanity. I love what they did in red for humanity and cyberware. 
without going into specifics, um, even though I would like to, um, they handle it in a way that not only makes sense in the game world, but that also isn't an all or nothing like it used to be with cyberpsychosis in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, and even when we started playing um, the, um, uh, the, with the jumpstart kit, I used a lot of rules from uh, 2020 to sort of fill in the gaps that the jumpstart kit didn't have. And one of them was uh, because one of the, uh, so one of the players in the game, uh, Jinx, she's cybered up like crazy. Uh, her empathy is one or like point one. It's at one. I'm being told that it's one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, you know, if we were in 2020, she'd be at risk of cyber psychosis very easily. But at the same time, I'm like, if you, what, what makes you turn over? Like, it's not just a, I go to a clinic, I get like a, I don't know, a LED hair extension installed and all of a sudden I'm a psycho. There has to be like a progress. There has to be a downward spiral, which they have in red. And it is great. It goes from role-play things to mechanical disadvantages. It's They treat it more humanely, and it makes sense. Um, it also makes sense for someone who's disabled to have, you know, for example, I lose an arm, I get a cyber arm. Does that mean that I'm less of a human? Right, right. Like, they went from the you're less than a human because you have machine parts in you to a more, more of a psychological thing. Yeah. It's more defined, you know, and, and those yeah. little, those little intricacies come into play, which I think are, are beautiful. You know, like you just said, there's, there's a definite difference between someone that's like, yeah, just hack off my arm. I want to put some cyber arm there with some wolvers and a hidden compartment versus someone that got it shot off and was like, Oh shit, I need a new arm now, you know? And it's a, there is a difference within that. And I think that is cool too. And definitely how they, define it you know it definitely i think in in 2020 it was i don't know kind of vague in a sense and like you like you said it kind of just goes and then as a drop-off point it feels like and it was kind of left up to the to the gm to kind of just push that player you know to that edge i guess of cyber psychosis once they get to that point whereas in red i don't know it's more of a process defined as you go from three to two to one to zero and obviously down to gm taking control or everything's changed you got to get therapy or you know, psycho squads coming after you, you know, that sort of thing. But no, I totally agree. I love how they defined it. Um, yeah. That and for me, obviously, like everyone's been talking about, just how they streamlined uh, net running. I can actually enjoy that now. You know, it's one of my favorite things now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I love uh, I love the new the new visual aspects to net running. It helps a lot with describing. I don't have a net runner in uh, in the campaign that we're running, so that entire aspect is left up to like NPCs. But uh, I've run other games at conventions or private games, and it made it made me enjoy describing net running. Yeah, yeah. Whereas was when I was reading twenty twenty before, it was uh, sort of a. I'm not gonna say a mess, but I was, I was reading on that running, and I was like, "How can I? I just want to make them like have do the roles without messing with anything. I don't. I didn't feel comfortable with it. 
and and now it's there's this you know it's it's somewhat unrealistic if you think about hacking in the modern world like IRL um but then again I prefer this other version it makes for a more uh let's say cinematic uh aspect of it oh yeah I also I like the new um professional skills oh yeah yeah definitely how they have their their specific role abilities mm-hmm. or whatever and what they did with that totally yeah defining it and giving them i don't know more character within the characters i guess you know because uh, they, yeah. they have those little unique things that they can do and they can kind of pull into that resource and i don't know get bonuses on certain things which is really cool um and then and back to the net running thing the other the other thing uh that i really like is um because you said how it kind of uh um, I don't know. It, 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 the, the net running is more involved, involved with the team and in the actual game, not separated or whatever. Um, another aspect that I like is the fact that, you know, things can also be kind of hacked or controlled, not to the level of a net runner, but at least with that electronic security thing or whatever. I mean, if you're a tech or you have that skill, you still have a chance to hack electronic items and things too, which I think is again, back to like, feeling realistic or real within the game you know i really dig that um but yeah uh taking it away from from cyberpunk red and and back into kind of the the witcher thing because i wanted to i wanted to at least mention um and i know you can't talk too much detail about it is you know what you're creating with our talsorian for witcher and then also what you did in the past with with the uh fell deeds and fell fair Telfair Grove. Grove, yeah. <laughs> FFF. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a lot of S. I was trying to remember all of it. But yeah, uh, fill, fill people in on that. Tell me what's going on with all that. I mean, maybe start sure. with the, the Witcher thing since that's kind of brief. We can't get into it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm working with Talsorian as a uh, freelance writer for their upcoming book, The Tome of Chaos. Um, if you've attended Gen Con this year, the virtual Gen Con, they did a panel that they, where they talked about the book in, uh, in general. Um, so that that I know I can talk about because Cody, uh, I think it was Cody and Jay that uh, talked about him. Um, so the Tome of Chaos is a book that is all about magic. It will delve into the magic of the Witcher, chaos, basically, the, the power of chaos. And, um, and it touches not just on mages and sorceresses, but every spellcasting... Um, class or profession under uh under the sun in um in the witcher world so you're talking also about your priests you're talking about um well as a profession it's priest in the book but you know you have your arcane magic and your divine magic also comes into play uh and you're gonna have you know new spells new rituals stuff like that uh and they want to um basically expand upon what was already written in the core rulebook so that you can either play with just the core rulebook or if you have someone who really wants to play a sorceress in your campaign, well, then you can get that other book and just go deeper into the lore of magic and how magic can work and develop that character a bit more than just, oh, yeah, they're a mage. Um, So I'm, I'm working on a few things for that book. Um, it's not the next one that they're going to publish. Uh, if I'm correct, the next one is a book of adventures, which I haven't worked on. Um, but I've, I've had a peek 
and uh, the adventures are, are really, really fun. So it's a book of like, I think it's something like eight or ten uh, adventures that you can play. Some are one shots, some are longer form, uh, and you can run your group through them. You know, if you if you want to pick up The Witcher, you don't know which adventure to play or how to play it. You just you know, pick that book up, close your eyes, pick one at random, and voila. Nice. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. Um, yeah, and now tell me about the 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 Fell Deeds and Felfair Grove. Uh, you know how that came about, yeah. and then you know explain kind of what it is. Obviously, with not giving away what you know for for DMs oh, out there but... that might want to run it. You know, we don't want to give away too much, but at least tell you know what yeah. it is and how that came about. Um, so it's the first part of a trilogy of adventure, which I was supposed to complete the second part in March of this year. We're now in October. Um, things have happened and, uh, because of COVID and everything, like I had to put it on the back burner, but the second and third part are going to come out. I haven't heard. What's that COVID? I haven't. Yeah. It's all, (laughs) it's a Canadian thing. It's, it's nowhere else here. Yeah. It's a, a little thing. It's, it's like, it's, it's a cold, it's a man cold. Um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, COVID is very serious and, um, but yeah, because of that, because of a lot of things that shifted. Uh, so I, I have the first one played out. My goal was to create a campaign that you could run in about three to four months. Um, and it's actually inspired by a uh, Pathfinder uh, game that I had created for my home group. And then I tweaked it. Uh, I changed it because at the time I we were playing like with heavy homebrew rules Um and it was also the adventure, the campaign that uh, I played where we, in the middle of the campaign, we switched to 5th edition. So we converted everything to 5th. And um, I liked a lot of uh, the game. It was basically the type of game that I like to play in. Okay. There's a bit of travel. There's a lot of... Um, and it doesn't show much in the first book, but the choices that you make in the first book will impact the second and the third. Okay. Uh, third to a lesser extent, but will impact the second so that, you know, you have this... Because I've always been a fan of, you know, your choices, your actions should have consequences. Oh, yeah. And not a lot of pre-made adventures factor that into account. Mm-hmm. They leave it up to the GM to determine, okay, well, if the players did this, that thing happened. Like, it's just... You should know as a GM what to do if it happens. Um, whereas in this case, I wanted it to to have an actual impact. Um, so the premise of the game is uh, the players are hired to find uh, a bunch of missing lumberjacks. Yeah. It's very simple. Go in the woods, find the lumberjacks, come back, get paid, end of adventure. The thing is, is there are... Uh, there's a few more layers to that. The lumberjacks are missing for a reason. The person hired you, promised you a certain like certain things for a reason, and it it the players sort of become this uh, linchpin in the bad guys' plans. Nice. And because of that, whatever they decide to do with it will alter the bad guys' plans for the rest of the adventures. Um, and it goes from that to the second part uh, is a bit more about undead, which you know hasn't been released yet. And the third part is more or less a mega dungeon. Oh, nice! So like the outline of everything is done. 
Uh, I really just need to get down to editing and adding a few things, but it's just whew, so many things to do. <laughs> So little time. Yeah, yeah. And I want to mention, too, anybody watching, we're, we're going to do a Game Master Tips episode of, you know, your process of campaign building. That's not going to be live. Just anybody watching the live stream, that, that'll probably get posted, like, tomorrow, possibly the next day, um, most likely tomorrow. But um, that was something I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, and maybe not in campaign building, but in, you know, maybe we can dabble a little bit in it now, is the difference between, you know, creating a can you know creating a campaign for yourself and playing with players and i don't want to get into those details now we'll do that on that episode obviously you know your notes and how you do it but i imagine the difference between that where you're doing it for yourself to read and follow while you're dming versus creating it for someone to read and look at you know just like in campaigns we have to separate what are dm notes versus what you're saying to the players versus uh you know dialogue versus notes you know um how different is it between those two or is it similar and just really layout different? I don't, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? It's yeah. Um, it's quite different. Um, my notes will be uh, a lot more bullet point forms and will often have, um, mm, maybe a lot of swearing in it, uh, for some reason, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's yeah, it's bullet point. It's short sentences. It's things that I want to remind myself, make sure that I pay attention to this or that. Um, and a lot of the notes for, let's say we take uh, one of my stream games or even my home group games. Um, a lot of the notes that I take, I take them during the game for the next session. So it really is just, you know, shorthand while the players are playing, while we're having fun of things that I want to make sure I remember for the next time. And then I sit down before the next session, just go over that list of notes, add a few things here and there, depending on, you know, last minute flash of inspiration or um, sometimes it's just the players had come up with a theory that I like more than what I had in my notes. And then I just switch it to what they had because hey why not um and i go on from there and it's it's very different when i'm writing let's say when i wrote fell fair deeds or uh any of the adventures that i've published so far because each if you look at um let's say fell for deeds each paragraph was basically just one bullet point Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. now I have to expand on that one short sentence, make it into an entire paragraph because whoever's reading that reading it is not me. Right. Right. Yeah. They you don't. Can, you, have... you can see your bullet point, and that'll trigger your memory. Okay. Cool. That's when I wanted to talk about this. Right. I know yeah. that this is going to, and that's you know your head's working like that. But you're right. You know, a, a reader, a third party, isn't going to know know what's up in your head. They they can't just get the bullet point. You have to lay it all out. Yeah. No, and, and often, even when I lay it out, um, I've had some people read the adventure and interpret it a completely different way than what I thought. And in my mind, I had made it clear okay. by expending upon that bullet point. But then again, it just goes to show, like, depending on what your experience is with, with role-playing games and what your GMing style is, you are going to look at something and say, oh, this means that. Yeah. And that's okay because it becomes your adventure at that point. It's how you view it and how you play it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's it would take me about a half hour to forty five minutes to prep for a game. 
like if we talk about a stream or anything, half hour to 45 minutes tops. And when I'm writing for an adventure, like a pre, uh, pre-published adventure or of an adventure I'm going to publish, uh, that 45 minutes, you know, becomes hours and hours yeah. of, of writing and rewrites and edits and, and all of that just, just to make everything fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, I love doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing it and I love going through and, and creating um, fun toys for people to play with. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's awesome. it's, yeah. What um you said, you know, before when it, when you started with this one, at least, um, and and anybody listening, I'm gonna put that link uh, to your adventure because that's on uh, Drive Through, right? Um, Felfair so is on Drive Through. Yeah, right? I'll yeah. put that link in the description uh, when this live gets posted. And then um, you also said you had another one, um, a possible freebie adventure. I'll put that. It link is free. In, yeah. yeah, I'll put that link in the description for everybody too. Um, so I just wanted to mention that real quick, but. You said that when you started this one, it was it was Pathfinder based. Yep. And then you you, you brought it over to D and imagine when you when you went to sell it, or was it because of what you said you were a little too crunchy with the homebrew and things you were doing with Pathfinder, so you simplified it into D and D fifth edition? Is that what you did? Yep, that's what oh, I did. Okay, cool. Because um, back when we were playing with uh, Pathfinder, I was using a homebrew that uh, well, we never got to it because we converted to fifth in. In the meantime, um, but it's a set of homebrew rules where you stop leveling at, I think it's sixth or seventh level. And then after that, your HP stays the same. Most of your stuff stays the same, but you gain feats. You can learn spells individually and all that. It creates a a sort of um, almost like a classless system for Pathfinder. Okay. While making sure that things didn't you know, bloat so much that your monsters would have an AC of 42 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I like, I like my games, especially my, well, any game that I run, I like them to be like, I'm not a fan of big numbers for the sake of big numbers. So I wanted to keep it more grounded, especially since the adventure, you know, in, in D and D terms, it's from level one to maybe 10. And this oh. is the range that I'm comfortable with. Uh, I I rarely play beyond 10th level, if only because I still have a bit of an issue. Like, I've ran campaigns over level 10. I've ran campaigns up to 20. But it I like when things are still grounded. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like games like Cyberpunk. Because no matter how much you're going to play, things are still... You're still going to have to eat. Mm-hmm. You still need to pay your rent. You still need to, to live you're not so powerful then that mundane things no longer affect you. Right. And that's what I enjoy. Yeah, no, I told, I was just going to say that too. Like, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like, I, you know, I still love D and D don't get me wrong, but yeah, once you start getting past 10th level, when you're getting up there and like 15, 16, 17, you're getting close to 20, like you're practically a superhero, immortal style, you know, like mm-hmm. even just starting off with D and D sometimes like you're getting these cantrips and spells and it's just like, ah, you're, you're kind of starting a little, strong too but i get it because it's very fantasy and hero based you know whereas i do feel cyberpunk is a bit more grounded and dangerous it's like uh i don't know a bit more gritty you know mm-hmm. but that's what i love about it um and yeah i wanted to mention before we got too far away from cyberpunk too because i noticed there were some comments in the chat and i wanted to bring it up too because i'm a fan of it was your where is it tokyo red uh somebody was asking 
asking, yeah. Yeah, if you're um, going to reboot that, because uh, you were doing that, uh, the jump start, right? So I think they're asking if you're going to reboot it, either reboot or continue. I don't know what they're what they're asking with that. I, I think they use the word reboot, though, when, when full red comes out and you can kind of, con- you know. Um, I do not know. Yeah. I I know there are things planned for Cyberpunk Red, but I don't know what. I'm not privy to that information. Uh, I would love to say yet, um, but I'm I'm mostly just working on The Witcher for uh, for Talsorian. Oh. So who knows? Maybe you know Cyberpunk Red is coming out in less than a month. So maybe maybe other information will come out after the release of the game. But right now, I know that uh, RTG is focused on just getting the books out. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a process, you know? Yeah. Uh, between that and the video game and the quarantine, like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's been hell mm-hmm. for them, you know? Um, but, yeah, so then what is, you know, just on a personal level then, what are kind of, you know, your plans? Like like I said, you're on Chapter 3 of your Cyberpunk mm-hmm. Red um, ongoing campaign that you're streaming. Um, but what are your... You know, do you have, are you just keep going with that and you just kind of wing it? Or do you have your plan out for further chapters and what you're going to do? I have things planned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fill uh, me in on that. I'd love to know. So each season touches more or less on uh, one character's story. The first season was a bit more about Reno and how she worked with, for a like medium sized corporation and what they were doing. Then season two with the the whole road trip to Vegas and everything outside of Night City, there was also a bit of um, um, uh, oof. we delved a bit into the backstory of uh, Trins and her uh, boyfriend, well, ex-boyfriend and uh, her brother. And then uh, season three, now we're going to deal a bit more spoilers with a few of the other characters and then so I want each of them to focus more on one and I mean some of them you see like there is a, a progression like Imenez goes from this uh, completely unknown wrestler that just arrived in Night City and he's slowly building a following that's our uh, rocker boy mm-hmm. um, so I have at least right now I have the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4 planned out Nice. Um, now, if we go beyond that, maybe we will. Um, I know that I'm also going to, um, or should, uh, on another channel, someone wants me to run a cyberpunk game. At the GM, a cyberpunk game. So uh, that's going to be in 2021. And I'm also in talk for a third show of cyberpunk as well. Um, so there's all of these... Uh, all of these things, and I'm thinking, you know, if it do I base them all in my version of Night City, or do I do something different for each of them? Um, how dark do I want to go? Uh, and uh, because, of course, you know, when you stream, there's also the fact that uh, I don't want to gross out my audience, right? So I'm I'm gauging things like I'm t- I'm I'm trying to stay at like NC17 sort of of rating um as much as possible but uh one of the things that i wanted to do with the cyberpunk red campaign that i'm running now is uh, also show that it's not all bleak in the world you're gonna have your few moments of just hey, the crew's going to a restaurant 
and having fun. Like there's a whole episode where it's just them eating at a restaurant. Of course, the one right after they get into a firefight yeah. and uh, <laughs> things, things get hairy. Um, and I have yet to kill one of them. Um, no, but I, I love that you, I love that balance though, because I, you know, I was talking with Jay about this in a, in a recent, I think it was in the game master tips episode I did, but it's like, you need that contrast to, to have it, to have it have that contrast, if you will, you know, like it, it, things, if they're so violent and crazy all the time, then it's really not crazy. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you kind of have to have that balance. Um, and, and, you know, the contrast, the opposite, uh, uh you know, almost like a reaction, you know, to an action. Yeah. So like, I feel like that, that's really cool. You know, you got to have some of that. I don't know. I don't want to say mundane. Cause to me, it's not boring. I love role playing. It doesn't need to always be action and combat, you know? Um, but I feel like you need some of that. So then when you do get into the action, it's exciting. And so when you do, you get away from the action and, and crunchy battle stuff, you can get into role playing and then that's fun for what that is. But I, no, I love that you do that. That's really cool. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, four chapters already planned out, probably a fifth. Um, and then I'll see what happens. I don't know if I'm going to go into a, a different uh, system uh, or just, you know, cyberpunk with a different group or, uh, you know, if I ever need my Friday nights for some reason, then I'm going to have to stop because um, I, I am streaming a lot. I, I just lot. wanted to say, why don't you, uh, so everybody watching too knows, because I see you stream like what, four times a week or something, right? Three, um, three or four times? Normally it's Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So four yeah. times a week. Um, now our Thursday game is done. Dragon Age is, uh, well, the current season anyway is over. So we are uh, on on break. We'll probably be on break until the holidays because it's weird to start something in November and then you're going to have to pause midway because of holiday break and then yeah. come back. So we might just take a few a few weeks off for that. Um, but there are like there are so many games to play in so little time. Um, and even though it's, you know, I say I'm, I'm streaming four days a week that in fact is just, you know, uh, 12 hours total. But if you count also the prep, you count all the tech work, all the overlays, all the, the intro sequences, uh, except for cyberpunk, which is, uh, a displacer rat that did it. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes for these uh these streams when i start a new show i already have like dozens of hours poured in and we haven't even gone live yet right no and 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 just i mean those four days 12 hours a week that's still a lot really because you know when you're sitting there streaming it's like a solid two to three hours of you know the gaming and yeah that's not even accounting for some of the prep that has to be done but what are what are those days you're doing the four a week um, what are your, do you have like your set days, set games or what are they? Because, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm very familiar with you with all the cyberpunk streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than D and D I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not into all these other game systems and things mm-hmm. so much. Um, so I've seen a lot of your cyberpunk stuff, but I haven't, uh, dove into your other streams and stuff. So, you know, fill me in on that. And also so anybody watching knows, you know? Um, so on Mondays we do, uh, right now we're doing rhyme of the frost maiden. Uh, which is uh, our D&D campaign. Before that, we were doing Castle Falkenstein, which uh, now we're doing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, and then once Rhyme is done, we're going coming back with Castle Falkenstein. So another RTG um, RTG game. Falkenstein is like this steampunk 
Uh, steampunk roleplay based game. It's uh, a lot of, well, not exactly the way we play it, but uh, it, it's a lot of intrigue and a lot of, uh, I think of like a, a steampunk uh, Sherlock Holmes. Why not the way you play it? What does that mean? <laughs> we, turn it, we turn it into drinking and flirting for oh. hours at a time. Um, so for us, it's and it's fun. It's super fun. Um, and it's 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 played with a deck of cards, which is, you know, a change from playing with dice. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's a very role play heavy game that Talsorian uh, made years ago, which I'm hoping they're going to reboot. You know, if they rebooted Cyberpunk, well, why not Falcon Sheen as well? Uh, bring it to you know, bring it to the modern era. Um, but it's it's fun. It's great, and uh, I I really enjoy it. It's very different from any other game that I've played. So we're doing we we've done a few of these Castle Falkenstein now taking a break for Rime of the Frostmaiden because I I wanted to play it I wanted to have people run through the, through it so Mondays is Rime then Thursdays we're going to be back with Dragon Age with the uh, Dragon Age system the three d six system uh, we're going to do at least another season I don't know if we're going to keep going after that then normally my Thursdays are uh, when I switch from system to system. So I do, let's say, two months of whatever system, like two months of Dragon Age, and then I'll move on to a different one. I'll move on to, but everyone liked Dragon Age so much that we just kept going. Oh, okay. Um, and then Fridays, of course, Cyberpunk, and uh, Saturdays is a show I'm doing with Level Up Dice uh, of uh, Scion. So oh, it's yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's a um, a D10. You're, you're doing that on their on their Twitch on their channel. channel. Yeah, yeah, on Level Up Dice. Yeah, streaming on level of dice, uh, Scion. So it's a uh, it's inspired by World of Darkness. If you've played, you know, Hunter, Mage, Vampire, whatever, it's the same D10 system that uh, goes with it. Except that you're playing. Um, if you've seen the show American Gods, mm-hmm. or read the book by Neil Gaiman, or uh, read uh, Percy Jackson, it's that type of game. You are the child of a god. Yeah, actually, at the I, beginning, actually... you're mortal. You know, the producer uh, from American Gods was working on a pitch with him uh, for some no. other IP thing that was coming up that was actually kind of cyberpunk loosely based. But this was prior to CG Project Red uh, owning the rights to that IP. Um, so mm. I'm familiar with the guy that actually created American Gods and, and he funded it. So that was pretty cool. It's small world. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's like American Gods. So you're the child of a god. You start out as a mortal, uh, let's say when you're level one. And you sort of build not only your like new powers and everything as you slowly become a god in your own right, but also people will tend to uh, conglomerate around you and form through your actions and people's belief. Like you're slowly creating a, a legend, a myth around yourself as you become a modern god. That's cool. So you're kind of building a rep or whatever. Yeah, you're building a rep. You're building a... Um, uh, I don't want to use the word church because it, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a church, um, but you are building like a following. And through these people, you gain a lot of power, but also a lot of trouble. Yeah. So you have to balance like the first the first part of the game is often just you're a human. I call them human plus one. 
you're a regular human, but you have like this one thing that you can do that nobody else can. And then as you slowly grow, you're going to have more, uh, more heroic powers. Like, oh, I can lift the car and throw it. Oh, cool. uh, I'm super strong or I'm immune to bullets or whatever. So you look more like a superhero from like Marvel or DC. Um, but then people start to take notice of that. And then what happens is there's this whole mechanic called fate, bind- fate binding, which means that the same people that you see will come back again to haunt you all the time. So maybe oh. you've saved this person once from a, a building in flames. Well, guess what? The week after, this same person gets hired at your job. This same person gets a promotion. You get fired. Oh. So now you've, and of course, at some point, you have to also balance, you know, you being a god and you trying to appear human like Superman. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a very fun game. And the things, the shenanigans you get into once you become more of a god are hilarious. Um, you, you, we've had a campaign that ran with my home group where uh, one of the, like, quick, quick anecdote. Uh, one of the player was a, uh, the son of Apollo and a star NFL player. And he was paid essentially by the NFL to stop playing because he would win all by himself. Because <laughs> as a god, he ran faster than everyone. Yeah. He would go farther than everyone. He would do everything. So he ended up, you know, being and, and his, his whole cult ran around the fact that he was a star football player. Oh, wow. So he became like <laughs> God of football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Um, mm. What, what times are you doing these? Um, just so people know, cause you said you're doing Mondays and then Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays, yeah. um, Saturday being on the level up dice uh, mm-hmm. Twitch. The other day is on the wandering DM uh, Twitch. Mm-hmm. And then you also post to YouTube. I actually found you on YouTube. That's where I kind of started. I'm very, you know, YouTube centric and heavy, obviously. And then when I started getting into Twitch, and I think it was just the other day, um, I was grabbing some of your links for this and the Game Master Tips, and that's when I uh, grabbed your Twitch, and I just happened to catch you live. You were there doing a game. I think I caught the, the tail end of it. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was pretty cool. I remember seeing you in chat, yeah. Yeah, what, um, but what, what times do you typically do it on Mondays, you know, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays? So I'm not going to mess it up. It's 8.30 on Monday. I keep saying 8, but it's 8.30 on Monday. Or 8.30 is Eastern, so 5.30 Pacific. Okay. Um, and then uh, Thursday, Friday is 5 Pacific, uh, 8 Eastern. And then uh, on Saturdays, it's 1 p.m. Eastern or uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. Oh, okay, cool. And that's the like our, our morning show on Saturday. Okay. And is that that's not always going to be on Level Up Dice? Is that That's just for the Scion thing that you're doing this Saturday and ongoing? Or... Yeah, uh, it's just Scion is ongoing on Level Up. It's going to be on there for, I assume, at least a year. Oh, okay. Nice. So, yeah, we're in, we're in for the long haul with it. Uh, they wanted, they asked me for something long form, so I gave them something long form. Yeah, Unless, awesome. of course, you know, scheduling issues arise or, or what have you. Like, you know, real life can, can happen at any yeah, point. Yeah. But, uh, uh, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, very cool. Now, when it comes to, uh, you know, you personally, you know, you said before, like, like most, you know, DMs and GMs, you kind of start with, 
nobody in the clique of friends. There's no GM or DM to kind of run it. So you kind of just, you take up that title so you guys can all play with your clique of friends and stuff. But now, you know, shoot forward 20, 30 years or whatever, however, however long it's been for you anyways. Now you're just, you're, you're dominating at DMing. It's, you know, it's your brand. It's wandering DM, you know, and it's, it's kind of all you're doing. But do you still kind of uh, want to play? Do you still find yourself like when you're running the games afterwards thinking about it, like, ah, I kind of want to play some time or just have fun with that side of it? Or are you just, you know, addicted to DMing? You're just kind of on that side of it. You love creating the worlds and all that. Please let me play. <laughs> well, um, see, that's what I was going to ask you because I was going to say I'm getting ready to, to do, uh, uh, you know, a couple ongoings and one shots. Um, and there's a couple things I'm doing. I'm waiting until the official red drops to let some of my other friends and players get involved because they don't have the advanced and they can't do it yet, obviously. But then there's like this click of GMs and DMs and people that we all know that are streaming that do have the advanced, you know, and we're doing a little crossover and stuff. And that's one thing I was going to kind of mention to you if you wanted to hop on a one shot or come play sometime if you're ever, if you were interested in, in playing, you know, I'd love to have you on a game for fun. That'd be cool. Um, there are games that I've been solely a player in. Um, okay. So Falcon, Falcon Sheen, for example, I've always played. Uh, Dragon Age, I've always played. Um, there's a few. Like, since I've started streaming, I've been playing more <laughs> than I used to before. Uh, but I That's still surprising. get the itch. Yeah. Um, I still get the itch sometimes. Uh, there will be stretches of time where I don't want to play in anything. I just want to jam. And then, uh, like, for instance, with Cyberpunk, with the release of the book coming out soon, uh, yeah, I would. I have a rocker boy that I would love to play. And nice. I was keeping the concept for 2077 until I learned that you cannot be a rocker boy in 2077. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to play a Nomad. Um, but, yeah, there are, there are a few games where... Um, I got the chance to play uh, in The Witcher with a few very high-profile profile people. Um, so that was fun uh, to get to. Even even if it's just a one-shot, it's fun to get to be on the other side. Yeah. And see how, how the game plays from the player's perspective. Uh, but it's always a time constraint. It's always a, a problem with scheduling really because there's not enough hours in the day. Exactly, yeah. No, and, and as a GM, a DM, you know, don't you also find it kind of fun? Like, uh, you know, I love jamming and creating the worlds and I love being on that side of the table or whatever. But then once in a while, I will kind of get that itch like where I, j I just want to play. And then there's this sort of feeling like uh, I just want to play because it's actually enjoyable to see like how I can manipulate the story and throw curveballs and, you know, like do all those things that as a GM, you're like, ah, oh, shit, okay, let me figure this out now because now they just threw me a curveball. And like, n sometimes you like to be the one throwing those curveballs and kind of manipulating the world that that GM or DM created, you know? And I, I kind of, I, I feel that once in a while. Like, I'm definitely, like you, like I enjoyed, you know, GMing, DMing the most. But then I get that little itch once in a while. I'm like, oh, I want to play, you know, and, and have fun yeah. on that side of the table. <laughs> It's um, one of the things I like as a player is to just look at other people's jamming styles. That's one of the things that I like when I play in a game is also to just, okay, how does this GM handle X or Y? Oh, that, you know, could be interesting to add that to my repertoire or, um, or sometimes it's just, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the GM a whole list of things to hurt me with and uh, <laughs> I want to know going to do with it 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny that you say that too, because it it is definitely like you know you never you never stop being a GM or DM in that sense that even when you do play or like for me watching streams or reading books, however it is, you're always like extracting cool things and information and techniques that maybe you're like, oh, I never thought of that little angle on how to handle a situation like that. That's cool. I'm going to remember that, you know, I think that's really cool. It's always a learning process, you know. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, 2077. I wanted to talk about that. So let's dive into that for at least a moment. Um, yeah. How do you feel about, I mean, obviously the, the hype of the video game is going to bring more attention to the tabletop and that's all great. That synergy and how the lore connects and goes from 2020 through red up to 2077. Everyone already knows that and stuff. I want to hear your opinion, though, like more on your side, because you did kind of mention it. How do you feel about that? The fact that there's basically the three roles that you choose from. There's not 10, you know? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's going to take away anything from the game. Um, I think like the more I I look at, you know, previews and, and trailers and everything, I think that the game that they made and the reason why you only have these um, three uh, professions that you can you can have. I think it's Nomad, Street Kid, and exactly. uh, yeah. Corpo. Tech Tech. I think they're yeah. Corpo, right? Or Corpo. Is is um, so I think it's because the game, the story that they're telling with the game only fits these three archetypes. Well, think of how big it would have to be if... There was 10 roles with 10 separate storylines and all the tangents that it could go on if you pick that role. That's a lot of dialogue, a lot of pre-recorded NPC conversations and things because each one has its own path. So that makes that makes perfect sense on why they would, I don't know, I don't want to say dumb it down, but make it more uh, digestible in video game format, you know? And, uh, and I think it's only going, you know, if they had spread out over the 10 roles it would have probably diluted the experience. Yeah. I'm still going to have fun with my Nomad, and I'm still going oh, to yeah. enjoy the game. Um, there are... I want to know if I can have Wolvers. Because the Mentis arm is cool and all, but, like, I it's, don't know, it creeps me out. It also so. kind of looks clunky to me. Like, it looks... Like, the leverage on that, like, if you were really to try to... I don't know, it looks like it would just snap off or be awkward. Yeah. I don't know. Wolvers are just so they feel like they would just be part of you, you know, and just work so well. In fact, I've got some. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got oh, some sh- wolvers here. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, it's why I give them to a lot of uh, characters that, I, a lot of NPCs have wolvers in my game. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm going um, on that. <laughs> but otherwise, they, they've talked about so many things that I want to try and so many things that, um, there's, I, I think there's a big part of me that's only going to be playing this game just to walk around Night City and listen to people and yeah. look at this universe. Um, which is why I'm probably not going to stream it because it's going to be very boring of just me going, Oh my Whoa. God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh shit. Look at that. <laughs> like three hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just but, you. Yeah. It's just you breathing heavy for three hours, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I would, I would love to play it in VR. Oh, I mentioned that the other day. You know, I run a virtual reality live. That's a 
if you get on Facebook and stuff, you'll see we stream uh, live VR games. And that's one thing I do with a buddy of mine out of New York, and my wife does it too, who plays Raven in our live Red Cyberpunk Red stream. But um, but yeah, Virtual Reality Live, we, we uh, do the HTC Vive. And, um, and that's one thing I mentioned. I was like, man, how cool would it be if they could just make that VR? I mean, the amount of work that that would take uh, to make it functional, you know, within mm-hmm. that realm is outrageous. But I would be happy even if it was just like, it's not functional, but you can just get in the map and walk around to like, look, you know what I mean? I would, oh, yeah. I would be so, so happy. Walk through Night City and, yeah. <laughs> and like that, that's all I want. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the game, um, knowing full well that it'll probably kill my computer. Uh, but I can't wait to play it. I'll probably spend 12 hours in character creation. Um, but it's, it's, it's always weird and fascinating to see this. So they've taken a tabletop game and now we're going to have, I'm not going to say it's a Canon universe or anything, but we're going to have like a, a, a reference like a 3d reference yeah of what night city is oh like. a dynamic 3d reference it's like interactive you know which makes it even that much like you said you could go around and just like talk to nbcs or see what is going on like it's that's so cool <laughs> yeah and and yeah i'm it's going to make cyberpunk a lot more popular i'm fairly certain that the sales for cyberpunk red are going to go through like up um, after the game comes out, and they're also releasing on the same day, so there's that. Um, my wallet's gonna cry, and, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I don't know. There's so many things that I can't wait to try on 2077, and a big part of what I also want to do is I want to see all the theories, all the wacky theories I got from reading Red. I want to see which ones are true which ones become true and which ones were, you know, left on by the curb. What, what are some of these theories? I am fairly certain that Johnny Silverhand got his hands on the immortality chip. Mm-hmm. The, um, the soul killer, the same soul killer that alt was working on. Yeah. And that's why he, you can see him as a hologram is because he'll be implanted into you becoming okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. immortal because that's that's essentially what happened to Alt. Mm-hmm. She got soul killed, but then she could theoretically be downloaded into a robot. Yeah, and um, I, I totally agree with that theory. Me and uh, my buddy Eric were talking about that um, from day one of looking at that timeline, and then got the twenty seventy seven book, looked at the commercials, and then obviously getting the red, and and then what Artalsorian released a little bit of lore and stuff as well. And um, and that's something that we talked about. He kind of, he brought that up first, and I was in totally agreeance. Um, so I, I'm I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's um I would love I would love it if it was that because it would also mean that what's happening in my campaign right now fits in the world. Nice. So yeah, yeah. But it, it's one of the theories that I have. Um, the other one that I also would like to to see is they they kept talking about the rise of these new corps. So in red, uh, you have a lot of new corporations that yeah, the rose neocorps. up. Yeah, the neocorps. What happens to them 30 years in the future? Mm-hmm. That also I would like to, I would like to see. 
Yeah, see who who survives and makes it to Megacorp, you know? Who, yeah, who thrived and who got destroyed and why? Yeah, because you definitely see that from 2020 going into Red. After the fourth corporate war, you see how some fell off. You know, they list which ones are no longer. Other ones, subsidiaries became kind of main and broke off from parent companies. Things have happened. And then on top of that, like you said, there's a whole plethora of neocorps, completely new corporations. So, yeah, I think that would be cool, too, to see, I don't know, the development within that lore and see, you know, how they make it to 2077. The other thing that I was really, um, I don't know the right word, not excited, but I was like impressed by or I enjoyed the, 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 the storyline or the journey of the nomad. I really like how, you know, 2020 family oriented, but very like a Mad Max vibe, if you will, you know, like coming from the wastelands, very much into family and cyber bikes and stuff, but they will travel into the city. They will, you know, be migrant workers. They'll, you know, they just had that sort of traveling vibe and then going into red, how they kind of held down transportation, you know, because communication and transportation and things went down. They kind of took up this noble um, sort of uh, position or whatever, where they weren't just like considered that back in the day because very family oriented, which felt good in a, in a dark world, you know, but like now they're kind of handling transportation and supply chains and whether it's the, you know, the, uh, uh, what do they call the arrow zeps, you know, those big Zeppelin, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, like families will be running those. They'll be running caravans going from city to city. Like I said, supply chains and all that. And then going up through, like if anyone's read the Dark Horse, the 2077 uh, lore book going up. Okay, well, going up into 2077, they talk about how the nomads completely are like considered gangs now. And and I understand like if they don't get into those details uh, in it, but I totally understand the evolution. If you think about the fact that you know, they stepped up, handled all the transportation, right? And they did that in red. So they become this big noble thing and whatever. Then going from red to 2077, communication is back. Roads are back. Things are getting Uh, back to normal. They're not needed anymore. All of a sudden they're out of work. They have no job. They have no money. You know, they're like, shit, okay, they don't need us to run caravans and run these air zeps and do all this stuff anymore. They're kind of like high and dry and and desperate maybe. And now they're back to, they're, they're into like gang activity style. Uh, things and maybe not full on gang, but that's kind of how it's described. They're listed like within those sections of that book. Um, so I thought that was really cool, like to see the evolution of a nomad and just how it made sense when you talk about it like that. Like it makes sense that they that this is kind of how they would evolve through all these times. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's now that you mention it, like it's almost as if between 2045 uh, and 2077, they maybe had the chance of becoming a major player and it failed. Yeah, I would imagine there's, you know, there's going to be something in there that maybe defines that a little. And maybe it's something along the line of one of these neocorps becoming megacorp and they're very transportation based and took that shit over, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and just left them behind, right? Because, like you said, why wouldn't they just kind of corner that market and stick it with it and be like, no, 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 we're running the highways now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, curious to see how that goes. But either way, I, I just loved how that kind of happened. It was unexpected, just like the fourth corporate war and nuclear fallout and what Red is was unexpected to me. I was really impressed how they came up with that and just kind of rebirthed the world that way, you know? Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited of, of how the nomads kind of evolved through through all this. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, what, uh, what is your favorite role within that? Like, I know you, you GM, you DM, you want to play, you, you still enjoy it, but like, what, what is your ultimate favorite? You mentioned rocker boy. 
Um, but that might also just be because of the intricacies of building that character and what it is and not being able to play it. But overall, what's your favorite all-time role in Cyberpunk? In Cyberpunk. Oh. Uh, oh. And then I want to know in D&D, too, you know, uh, rate, you know, class and race. Okay, so in in Cyberpunk, if we're talking solely about the game Cyberpunk, it's got to be the Rocker Boy. Oh. I love the idea that you can, um, I don't know, you can uh, uh, move a crowd to do things for you through the power of, well, the rocker boy by default is music. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the most punkish thing you can do. Oh, and it's even in their even in their talk too, because it's their charisma. It doesn't even have to be music. Like they could just like be motivating fans to you know do yeah. stuff for them. It's so cool. It, it's I haven't seen other you know the solo is everywhere. Um, the solo is your fighter. The solo is your assassin. The solo is your and I feel like they're that's everyone everyone's first favorite, right? Like when you were younger, you know, everyone's first favorite is solo because everyone wants to be the badass. If not that, the nomad probably. That's always been typical, I think, with most people. It depends, I think, if you want to drive a motorcycle or if you want to be on foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so yeah, Rocker Boy is strictly in Cyberpunk 20, uh, well, 2020 or even Red. Uh, but in the Cyberpunk genre, I am a big fan of um, Deckard from uh, 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 Blade Runner. Yeah. I like the noir hard-boiled detective. That's mm-hmm. always been. So if I had to choose between like I think so my maybe first a lawman, a detective. Yeah. My first cyberpunk character would be a rocker boy, my second would be a lawman wow. for sure. Um and then I want to I want to play them all, uh, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. exec, I've I've lived in the corporate world for too long. I do not want to play an exec. Well, it also seems like as as a GM and DM too, because you you come up with all these creative campaigns and sessions for your players and all these different players. It's like you kind of come up with these interesting ideas for each role and what it is and angles to make a campaign about that or for that to the point where like you can find it interesting to play any one of those roles too because it's like you have all these ideas swirling in your head just from being a DM or a GM, you know? Um, So that's really cool. Um, yeah, and that's weird that your favorite, you know, Rocker Boy and Lawman, I love the, you know, Dark Detective vibe of it, but those are always like, uh, rare cases. Like I rarely see people pick up Lawman. That is one of the, the few, same with media. I think like media and Lawman, uh, have always been the least picked in most of the campaigns that I run. I don't know whether it's just ironically fell, fell like that with players, um, but I rarely see people pick uh, Lawman or, uh, media has always been like the second least. Yeah, have media have a concept for it yet. Um, well, the problem is when we so when we started playing with the Jumpstart kit, we were limited in the roles that we could have because um, we took only the roles that were from the Jumpstart. Uh, in other, like let's say Shadowrun games that I ran, um, the archetype of the lawman is never chosen. You're always going to have your street samurai somewhere. You're always going to have your net runner. You're always going to have your techie with the drones and the machines. Or if it's not drones, it's weaponry. Um, 
you're always going to have your maybe face character, which could be like an exec, a rocker boy, maybe a, maybe even a media. But I feel like media is more of a sideline character, mm-hmm. the one that records everything but never actually gets involved in things. Yeah, maybe a little bit of interrogating here and there for a story. But I'm with you. I think like an exec, rocker boy, they're they're typically the face, you know, the gift of gab and stuff, persuasion, you know, persuading people and things. But uh, I, a concept of a game that I would love to try for Cyberpunk is to play a team of journalists. Oh. Have, like, a few different roles, you know, that you can have your nomads, your driver, you've got your media, you've got your techie, you've got uh, maybe, like, an exec as the, like, producer or something, and you have them go into war zones. You have them go into, like, the worst of the worst that Night City has to offer, because they have to, you know, report on what's happening mm-hmm. and to see, you know, to see all the shit from Night City from the ground up. Um, you know, the, the uh, Talsorian came up a lot with the, the sentence everyday cyberpunk while they were making Cyberpunk Red. And I feel like a game that just goes on about showcasing everyday cyberpunk the good and the bad mm-hmm. you could have a team with like medias and other less chosen archetypes in there yeah no, that definitely makes sense yeah and i wanted to mention in the chat here too um i thought it was funny because some, somebody uh it's a nino gaming who is one of your players yeah. um was saying in there uh you know rocker boys are all right nothing special and then uh they got a reply says the rocker boy um, which I thought was kind of funny, but that reminded me of something. You know, I, in the past, I was never a fan of the Rocker Boy role. It wasn't until actually until getting into Red and like that that charismatic leadership sort of um, I don't know got more defined, and I mm-hmm. felt like it, I don't know it was it was defined to the point that then I could appreciate that character. Prior to that, um, and it wasn't just because it was vague. I honestly didn't like the Rocker Boy because I'm a musician and because I toured and I've done. <laughs> you know, touring and I've put out dozens of albums and I've done stuff like that. So it was almost cheesy to me um, to do something that I've done or whatever. Not that I've, you know, been a rocker boy like in cyberpunk toting a gun. And, and doing, although I almost got arrested for inciting a riot in Florida at a show, uh, getting into a thing with the bouncers and the crowd got backstage and the cops called. It was crazy. But um, but yeah, I, I, I never appreciated a rocker boy uh, because of those reasons until Red when it got defined with that that role ability when it when it it wasn't left up to a, a gm to just kind of wing it you know what i mean and i think that was really cool in red too i wanted to mention that but like and they did that with the exec as well i feel like you know what was the corp now exec uh and the rocker boy um they were very vague in 2020 you know and i feel like now it's defined to the point that i can appreciate those roles more oh yeah back in 2020 i would have played a solo yeah. Um but yeah, so you're you're almost a real life rocker boy actually. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess not wanting to like cuz I guess for you it would be the same as like you're you're essentially playing yourself in the game. Like yeah, you yeah. know the ins and outs of the life of a musician whereas I cannot play a guitar chord to save the life of me. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was it would just feel kind of boring and cheesy. It actually felt like cheesy like that that role was kind of eh, that's kind of nerdy or dorky i don't know the right word but like cheesy or like eh, it's kind of stupid i don't like that one and i think it's because i i i 
play instruments and have toured and put out a, you know what I mean? Like I've done that the same way that maybe someone that's into, uh, you know, say someone that's like a, a tech based person, you know, they're like constantly repairing computers and things and items and that's their job. And they're really into like techie stuff. Maybe they wouldn't want to play a tech in it. Cause it's just kind of cheesy. Like that's ah, too real or normal. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but I've never been a fan. Um, I'm thinking for those reasons, but red got me back into it. Like I said, defining that, that role ability made me appreciate that role, you know, that role more just like the exec, you know? Mm. So what's, uh, what is your next, uh, your, your next thing basically is your streams with, uh, um, level up dice on sa- next Saturday. Is that what it is? Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is a level up dice. Do you still, are you still streaming? You know, I imagine like you're not going to stream 2077 until you get done walking around the city and doing all the boring exploring. Um, then you're going to stream it. But what about video games streaming? Cause I saw that you, you do, you have streamed games here and there, obviously few and far in between the role playing, the tabletop role playing games, but you have dabbled in some video game streaming. Yeah. Um, I, I'm still on the fence about video game streaming. Uh, there's a I've built my following, I've built my audience over role playing games, mm-hmm. and I feel like talking to myself is strange. Uh, <laughs> doing it for hours at a time is is even more strange. Um, I would, you know, instead of um, streaming myself playing a game, right now I'm more in the mood of I'll stream myself just interacting with the audience with nothing to watch. I tend to, when I play games, and I thought about uh, with Baldur's Gate that just came out streaming Baldur's Gate, um, but I become silent when I play games. I'm so immersed in it that I forget that there are people around. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I might uh, for sure do a, um, a few like Cyberpunk 2077 streams, if only because... You know, I've done a lot of cyberpunk on the channel, and I feel like people would probably want to see my reaction and yeah. uh, my um, um, opinions. I guess if if people value my opinions, I don't know. It's it's weird to say that. What, why did you stream the previous video games that you did stream? Were there specific reasons for those those ones that you uh, did? Yeah, Wasteland. So when I start, I started playing Wasteland. I played the intro. And I surprised myself wanting to show people what it was. Like for the first time, I was like, I don't want to play this game for me. I want to play this game so that I can show someone else what it is. I can share the fun with someone else. So I tried it. I had a total of like two viewers. Um, (laughs) And they were pretty silent. So I was like, I might not revisit it. Um, And then... uh, the other one was Never Winter, but Never Winter was supposed to be this uh, like co-stream. We would, all of us on different channel, stream from our character's point of view. So you could jump from channel to channel and see, you know, oh, from cool. characters. But it, it never actually happened because we ended up, you know, always streaming at different times. Oh, uh, okay. So there didn't really work but that's you know like with everything if you try to schedule five six people together yeah. it's gonna be and it's never gonna happen so. yeah it's rough it's definitely rough that's been the hardest part i think of you know for me anyway streaming the tabletop role-playing games is uh the coordinating you know and i'm also coordinating other 
GMs and teams to do it under the Cyberpunk Uncensored brand, like I'm putting together. And that is the biggest hassle is just coordinating schedules totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I want, uh... To, uh, I, want to, I want to go and do that Game Master Tips episode we talked about and, uh, you know, go over your process of campaign building. Um, but mm-hmm. before I end this live stream, um, is there anything else that we need to plug? Because I want to make sure that, that uh, anybody watching, you know, make sure that they have all the Wandering DM info that they need to have. Um, so the live streams are your Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And I think you said it was at like uh, 5.30 p.m. Uh, post-standard time on your Monday, your Thursday, Friday, um, or your 5 p.m. post-standard time, right? And your Saturday, yeah. which is under the Level Up Dice um, mm-hmm. campaign where you're doing the Scion, that's at like, I think you said 10 a.m.? Yeah, 10 a.m. post-standard. Hey, lock that shit in when you said it, see? Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to get, uh, of course, follow me on Twitter if you want to have updates about uh, anything that I do or where I am and all that. Um, of course, you know, at some point we're going to have conventions again. Um, so I'll be touring uh, a few cities, uh, going to conventions, uh, essentially running games or just attending. Um, I try to be at Gen Con and pass, PAX Unplug every year. So um, running running games for Talsorian, actually. So uh, if, if you want to get into a cyberpunk or a Witcher game, uh, maybe even Falkenstein uh, with me, though that would be the, the best time for it. Otherwise, um, you can download my uh, Fell Deeds and Felfer Grove, my 5th edition uh, adventure on DriveThruRPG. Uh, there's also The Lone Lighthouse, which is an introductory adventure to Cthulhu Mythos, the 5th edition uh, Cthulhu campaign setting by Sandy Peterson. Uh, it's on Peterson Games. It's free. Uh, then on the DMs Guild, if you search for... Uh, I think I wrote them under Wandering DM. Um, but search for Castle Cardinal. Um, it's the only one that uses these words anyway, so you're going to find it. It's a one-shot adventure uh, that I ran for uh, a uh, convention here in Montreal. Uh, so that's also out. And I made a uh, a supplement for the Ranger because I am a sucker for Rangers in 5th edition. Well, in any edition of D&D. So, oh. Yeah, we didn't say that. What's your favorite class and role for D&D? We did Cyberpunk. I was curious. What your, what's your favorite? Oh, uh, Human Ranger. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's what I often, often a Beastmaster. I am one of these few people who like the Beastmaster from 5th edition and are like, I can I can make them work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... I'm uh, one of the I few made... to pick human. Uh, that seems to be yeah. rare in a lot of the clique of friends that I've played with, you know? It's too normal, it's, you know, to, to it's most. Too, yeah, it's someone, I, have, I have other like character concepts that I, I will use other races, but if you ask my favorite, it's always... Even in second edition, when humans get got nothing, right. I would still. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm an Aragorn fanboy, so. Yeah, and I want to say too. Um, I know you were giving me the link. Uh, you sent me the link so I can put it in the video description for the free um, game that you you created. Uh, that that was the one with Peterson Games, right? The Cthulhu Mythos. One. Yeah. But if you could send me the links to the other ones too, and I'll put that in the description. Um, you know, so, and then I'll just list them, you know, here's the free one, here's the ones for sale or what they are, but it'd be cool to have all of them in that description. Just so anybody that's interested in whichever one, they just have a direct link right there. Um, so yeah, um, yeah I'll, send them, I'll send them after the interview. Um, cause otherwise you're going to hear me type on the keyboard, yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Well, no, I think we covered everything. Hopefully this was a good crash course in, you know, everything Simon 
aka the wandering dm uh, hopefully everybody that uh, tuned into the live stream or is watching this video after it's been posted um, you know got an ear earful and and uh, eye full of everything you got going on um, I encourage anybody watching if you had any questions if you weren't able to you know kind of get into the live chat if you have any questions just comment on the video I'll get it to Simon and maybe he can answer them for you if there's anything that we didn't sure. cover um, but I think we covered everything um, and just so everybody knows we are gonna go record that game master tips episode um, so look out for that as well and you'll get to see um, you know his process of campaign building which should be pretty cool but um but yeah, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'll see you in just a few minutes for this Game Master Tips episode. <laughs> no problem. Pleasure yeah. to, to be here, honestly. Oh yeah, thanks so much, dude. And everybody everybody tuning in, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. If you you know like cyberpunk content or any of this sort of content, it's not always cyberpunk. It's very cyberpunk-centric here at Cyberpunk Uncensored. But as you see, we can also talk D&D and, and other... Uh, platforms and, and games as well. If you do enjoy that, please give the video a like, subscribe to the channel. I would really appreciate that, whether it be YouTube or Twitch. Um, we all do this because we have a passion for gaming, but it's so much better when it's validated by your support. So please consider it. Um, yeah. So thanks so much, everybody. Take care.